tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, and boy, oh boy, Mark, a California tourist fined for driving rental car over medieval Italian bridge. This just sounds like something that would happen to you and me. It does. Because, On vacation, you know, you, not paying attention yes. to the signs, you know, no, can't read the signs. It looks good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in Italian. What do you think? I mean, and it's a bridge. <laughs> I mean, I'm going over there. Well, the Ponte Vecchio, a beautiful centuries-old bridge that spans the Arno River in the Italian city of Florence, is best viewed on foot, with crowds of tourists regularly thronging the pedestrianized structure to view its ancient stonework. I'm sure that's what they're doing, especially when, as one California tourist discovered this week, attempting to drive across it could cost you more than 540 bucks. Wow. This unnamed three, 34-year-old man was hit with a 500-euro uh, fine after crossing the bridge in his little rented Fiat Panda, uh, Panda car and for driving without an international driver's license. He told the cops he was searching for a parking space. He didn't realize wow. he was on the fabulous medieval bridge. Well, okay. I guess the signs weren't an indicator. All the people walking and no other cars, none of that was an indicator. I don't know. This is just a California dude going, hey, hey, dude, dude, this is a shortcut. Come on, there's pizza over there. Listen, from what I've seen from tourism videos and the like from Italy, the yeah. streets are narrow. It all looks, it's all old. I mean, we don't have anything that old here. We just right. don't. Okay. Yeah. And so it's all old. The streets are all narrow. They're all crowded with people walking and there's still cars moving back and oh. forth down these streets. And it's right. just kind of like beep, 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 beep. And people move out of the way. And, and so I kind of can see this guy. Yeah. Oops. Oh, was this? I'm sorry. Don't read Italian. What, yeah. You know, I could see I'm it with you. I, yeah. I get it. Like I said, when we started, I said, this could be you and me. But Exactly. You know, at some point in time, you kind of go, I remember in the movie Romancing the Stone, they had a couple of really bad bridges there. You know, to, and maybe, you know. Wow. You're going to pull Romancing the Stone out of your pocket? Well, because I don't know what bridge they're talking about, Mark. I've never been to Italy. Come on. I don't know if it's a wood bridge that has artifacts and heads sticking up on stakes. I don't know. I, I, Indiana Jones and the Ponte Vecchio. There you go. LifeRadio.fm. It is Groundhog Day. Yes. It you is. believe that, man? I do I didn't believe it. a minute ago. Yeah, I know. And actually, let me slide... I'm going to slide down in, in our stack a little bit oh, because okay. I've got, I got, ready for it. I got some Groundhog Day stuff. Yeah, so uh, as long as we're mentioning it now, yeah. might as well pull that up. Well, in the movie yeah. Groundhog Day, if you've ever seen it, Harold mm -hmm. Ramis film uh, right. with Bill Murray, the only the the script had been around for a little while, and the studio was like, "Okay, you can do it, but we've got to have a name." Okay, and and the name they kept bandying about was Tom Hanks. Very hot at the time they were getting ready to do uh, yeah. Groundhog Day, yeah. and. Then it was like, well, if we can get Ramis to direct, you know, then maybe Bill Murray. And that's why they ended up tag teaming. But that, they had a fight during filming, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Hmm. And I'm going to be honest. I think, I don't know. I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say, 
odd that Harold Burt uh, Reynolds, <laughs> that Bill Murray's biggest stuff seemed to be with Harold Ramis. Okay, yeah, from Caddyshack yeah. to Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. And you know he had had an up and down career, kind of without Ramis, but he, I think, felt like Ramis got too much of the credit for his movies. And yeah. you know Bill's an odd guy anyway. Yeah. So they had this big blow up and didn't talk. They didn't speak for years yeah. after they made Groundhog Day. Yeah. But before Harold Ramis passed away, you know Harold Ramis. All he died fairly quickly. You know, it's like he's in the movie knocked up playing Seth Rogen's dad, mm -hmm. and a year later he's dead. Right. Yeah. And uh, Bill Murray, before Harold Ramis passed away, uh, Bill Murray knew where he, he knew the town he lived in in Ohio, I think, or Illinois. And Bill actually drove to the town, goes to the police station, and says, "I'm trying to find Harold Ramis's house. Anybody here <laughs> help me?" And so the cops took him out there. Yeah, yeah. And they actually did get to bury the hatchet. And, uh, thankfully before Harold Ramis passed away, wow, yeah. fences, you know, as best you can yeah, at that yeah. point. So anyway, See, I th the good I, news of Groundhog Day is, you know, I think that's why you would like Ghostbusters afterlife because they, they kind of play on that with the tension between okay. the two of them and they put it yeah. in the film. So, oh. yeah. And, uh, oh. yeah, it's, it's, okay. yeah, I think you'd like that. Is Dr. Vinkman? Yes. Yes. Okay. Actually, the Vinkmans have a lot to do with that movie. It's a family okay. thing. Yeah. Well, hold on a minute now. Yeah. All right, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm -hmm. That's not the same as the Ghostbusters reboot with the women. No, no, no. Oh, heavens oh. no. No, this was uh, oh. 2021. And oh. uh, uh, it's, uh, let's see. Oh, gosh. Who's in it? it was uh, okay. Jason, I... Jason Reitman directed it. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So it, it, Paul Rudd's in it. And then the the original Ghostbusters guys are in it, and and they set it up for a sequel. And I if I read recently they're working on another one. So, well, if it's anything like the first yeah. Ghostbusters, yeah. we're going to wait five years and be really disappointed. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, back to Groundhog Day. Yeah, um, it was thirty years ago Groundhog Day was released. Bill Murray bitten by the groundhog twice during filming. Don't drive uh -huh. angry. <laughs> was he really? That's yeah. not a joke. That's real. He oh. was. He was bitten <laughs> twice during filming. Um, the film was not filmed in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. It was filmed in Woodstock, Illinois. <laughs> the clock radio that wakes Phil Connors daily with the song, I Got You, Babe. Yeah. It's a Panasonic RC 6025. Write that down. It'll wow. come in handy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Now, this little Pennsylvania town, it comes alive with fanfare to take part in an endearing annual tradition, it's garnered worldwide fame. Uh, it's in the western part of Pennsylvania, and residents there, thousands of out-of-towners who converge on Puxatawney, get up before dawn today to revel in the community's Groundhog Day celebration. Held at Gobbler's Knob, nearly 80 miles northeast of Pittsburgh, the event features the Groundhog, Puxatawney Phil, who will be making his, he, he makes his annual forecast of the winter season this morning. He'll either be predicting, eh, a longer winter or a shorter winter? It's always six weeks, so hey, you know. Um, or a sudden spring. Um, a, uh, the the uh, occasion is typically held in below freezing temperatures with a temperature of 26 degrees Fahrenheit this morning in Gobbler's Knob. Um, it's also going to be accompanied by wind gusts. They're looking at like 18-mile-an-hour wind gusts, so it's going to be really cold. Wow. Now, the president of the inner circle in Puxatawney, Thomas Dunkel, says it's like 30,000 people are there. It's a bucket list uh, for every one of them. They can't believe they're, they're there. They're so excited to be part of it. You become part of, the, of something bigger. The fireworks go off. It gives you chills. It's just fun. 
Um, the mm. fame of the town, of course, grew uh, about 30 years ago with the release of the movie Groundhog Day starring mm. Bill Murray. The movie's popularity led to a spike in attendance for subsequent events. Um, Mr. Dunkel estimates the crowds went from about 10,000 people at Gobbler's Knob to around 40,000 huh. because of the movie. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just thinking, you know what, Mark? There, this is where you know the difference between those people who drink alcohol and those who don't. Because the only way to get up early in the morning and freeze your noogies off, you know, to watch a rat, yes. it, you know, yes. you've got to have, there's got to be alcohol. But mm, for those of us be. who do not do that anymore, mm -hmm. you watch it on TV like human beings. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mag show and you know mark a couple of minutes ago when well when we started the show um one of the first things we were talking about was this guy from california that goes to florence italy and mm -hmm. drives over some ancient you know bridge and i i had to look it up you know yes, yes. i don't know what it is and it's like you read something like that and it makes it the way they write it it's like well, everybody knows about the uh, centuries-old uh, mm, bridge spanning yeah. the Arno River. And right, like, yeah. No, I can't even pronounce the name of the place that it is, you know? <laughs> and I'm looking it up, and I'm looking at this bridge going, okay, um, just straight up, yeah, this guy was doing it on purpose. I'm uh, not buying any of it. Yeah, huh? I'm not buying any of his story about, oh, I just thought I could drive across. No, no, no. Wow. I'm not buying it. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's. Look, a guy from California, he knows about bridges going over places. Like, you got bridge, you know, the foot traffic bridges going over freeways, dude. Yeah. And, you know, you've got eight lanes of traffic, all of them traveling as fast as they can, which during gridlock, it's three miles an hour. But, you know, at other times, they're going <laughs> yes. real fast. Yes. And they have these things that you can walk across, you know, and uh, they, they have uh, fencing all around them, you right. know, so yeah. that you can't jump. But anyway... It's just fascinating to me that somebody who grows up in an area that has freeways and bridges and things like that, granted, it's a bridge over a river, but mm -hmm. you, you're used to seeing these uh, foot traffic only bridges. Now, it's a big bridge, but it wasn't made for cars and tanks, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, it was a couple of centuries ago. Yeah. That's so anyway, true. I, I, just throwing it out there that I, I'm not buying his story, and I think he got off easy. Right. And looking at pictures of it, I mean, it's. It's, it is an old stone bridge and it looks like as the town grew, somebody said, let's build on the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so what it looks like, because it's yeah. got, it's got shot. It looks like it's got shops. It's like three or uh -huh. four stories tall and there's right. a roof on top of it. And right. Yeah. I see what I mean. Yes, exactly. I see exactly okay. what you're talking about. So <laughs> I, that's why it's. If you don't look in the pictures, you're just going, oh, I yeah. could have made that mistake. No, it's like really the guy from, guy from California says, hey, let's cut through this building. You right. know, <laughs> just honk your horn a bunch, you know. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, with it being Groundhog Day, um, I don't know. I, we have Sand Mountain Sand, right? Mm, Isn't yeah. that the guy we have? I think okay. so. Yeah, Sand I think Mountain. It, doesn't every state have something about a rat or a, you know that comes out from hiding? And you know, I, I think we do. I'm not sure, but you know, like when I moved here and I did a promotion back in the day, and I tell you this mm -hmm. probably every Groundhog Day because we actually did a promotion around Groundhog. You know, yeah. Um, we it's like a, we had this meat uh company uh, uh, business retail meat store. <laughs> 
that we had on the air. And right. um, I, so I put together the first wheel of meat, mm-hmm. you know, contest and it was just spinning the wheel. And to believe it or not, even though it's radio, yeah. we actually did it for real. We actually had a wheel <laughs> of meat. You could spin it. And, That's you know, funny. and the reason was it's easy, you know, with it being radio too many times, things are faked and I didn't want that to happen, you right. know? And yeah. so it was just fun. And that way I felt like I could take the morning show out for a thing to do a, a remote and they could spin the wheel of meat and it would be just be a fun thing to play along. And anyway, so right. everybody got along with that. Well, when Groundhog Day was coming up, the uh, salesperson who was in charge of the meat company, um, he comes to me and said, hey, they want to do something around Groundhog Day, you know, with their meat. And and so I was like, well, do they sell Groundhog? I mean, I don't know. And I'm like, no, I mean, we'll, we'll find something. But, you know, can we have giving away, you know, be calling every nine. And, you know, when you hear mm. the sound of the Groundhog yeah. and you win. Well, in the overnight hours, it, the temperature had dropped and rain was in the forecast and that rain turned to ice. Hmm. And so during the first two hours of the morning show, as we're promoting, Hey, starting at 7 AM or whatever, we're going to start this groundhog giveaway. Um, you, and the thing was, it was <laughs> roadkill. Hmm. So when you heard the sound of the screeching tires <laughs> and the thump and the, ow, you hit me, you know, <laughs> then be calling number nine and you win five pounds of whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Something we called groundhog. Right. right yeah. Ground and, uh, pork. so, yeah. Yeah, the first part time we did it in the seven o'clock hour was fine because, well, the roads had not become an ice rink at that point. <laughs> but we did the first one; it was funny, haha. But we had it scheduled for every hour of the day. We had sold this, okay, as a promotion. We had sold, it. <laughs> and so by eight o'clock, the roads were dangerous and mm. schools were shut down. By nine o'clock, they were saying, "Do not get on the road; you're going to die." Okay, the roads are ice. Do not drive. And we're still doing this promotion, right? <laughs> and uh, finally, somebody calls us, the station. Says, hey, I, I think it's funny, but you know, right now power is out and people are all stranded on the side of the road and cars are on Quintard <laughs> Avenue. And you know, they're just maybe you ought to do this on a different day. And so, <laughs> you know, the program director in me actually says, "You know, you're you're probably right." But and we need to get some traffic reports and better weather because I was actually saying let's downplay this a little bit, you know. (laughs) Surely we're not going to get iced in. This is Alabama. Come on, right? Yeah. And I had just gotten here, so that's Mm -hmm. what taught me about Alabama weather. You just you can try, but wintertime you can't predict. No. So what ended up happening weather wise? The ice continued to fall. The roads kind of ended up with like an inch and a half, two inches of of Uh, ice. Yeah. And it shut down the city for three days. You know. (laughs) We had to take staff members who couldn't get home. We had to put them up at a hotel within walking distance of the studio. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> a week of promotion about Groundhog Day brought to you by this meat company. It goes out the window. I'm working on the math going, well, how do I? And so what we ended up doing, I'm not kidding, because I didn't want to have to you know, take that money off the books. That was all part of our billing and everything. You know, bonuses and stuff are attached to that. Right, yeah. And I didn't. And so we had the contest planned and that's out the window. So what we did, we had ice reports brought to you by the, you know, yeah. the meat place. Mm. And, uh, you know, where once we open back up, you can buy your groundhog, you know. So, <laughs> I'm it, Happy it Groundhog Day. <laughs> yep. It was horrible, man. Oh. <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show and you know when whenever i see a story about a license plate anything i think about prisoners you know making license plates like the old days or something yeah stamping those plates out yeah yeah and i don't know if they still do that or not i think they still screen them yeah do they i think so if you look at your license plate the numbers are painted on 
they're not are they're not uh, stamped in place anymore. Huh. Well, I'm going to have to uh, look now because I haven't paid any attention. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> oh, Nebraskans well. <laughs> looking to update their license plates now have to do something else. Yeah. Um, they may have to wait a little longer in certain parts of Nebraska. Um, supply chain problems uh, seem to be preventing the timely shipment of license plates in at least a dozen counties. That's according to the Platte County's uh, treasurer's office there. The office says a variety of supplies that they need to manufacture license plates have been slow to come in, and that has led to a delay in issuing the plates. And due to the shortage, the treasurer's office says some counties will receive quarterly shipments of new license plates through the year, and it could result in two vehicles ending up with the same plate number because there'd be one driving around with an older plate and one with a newer (laughs) plate issued with the same number. Like you get a different plate when you go to get your, from time to time, you get a different plate for the car. It's got a different number on it. And you could still have that one and somebody else could get issued the same one as the new ones come out. So (laughs) that's going to be fun finding out that your license plate's been involved in some sort of, (laughs) of a crime and it's not yours. Oh, good grief. That's <laughs> Wow. The problems you didn't expect to see. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. So wow. if you really want something messed up, give it to government. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show for Groundhog Day. Yay. <laughs> um, Mark, go ahead and hit our uh, David Rush. Gym. Oh. Okay, here you go. Guinness Records Man, Guinness Records Man. Hey, those stunts for education have brought you worldwide fame. Too late to void that guy's check. (laughs) Frequent Guinness World Record Breaker David Rush broke the previous Guinness World Record for the most alternating fist bumps in 30 seconds. You may be thinking, the what? Do I? Yeah. (laughs) Rush shared a video Sunday of himself taking on this feat with his neighbor's son, Joey Hannon. The pair managed 273 alternating fist bumps in 30 seconds. That's nearly 100 more than the previous record of 174. Um... attained by some people whose names I can't pronounce. (laughs) He says, Joey and I had to punch each other thousands of times to make this happen. We bled, we sweated, we bruised. We got rid of the unfair pain when Joey made me take off my brass knuckles. (laughs) The final result, 273 alternating fist bumps in 30 seconds, taking down the previous record of 174 by a large margin. We actually made contact 297 times in 30 seconds, but Guinness has stringent qualifications for what constitutes valid alternating fist bumps, and 24 had to be disqualified. Rush says the achievement was more technical and challenging than his previous world records, uh, world record for the most fist bumps in one minute with different people. So he's done this also Mm. with, instead of just one person, it's a bunch of different people. Okay. The main idea, the main area of technique they had to work on, he says, was (laughs) Joey's drifting left arm. When, When moving each hand back and forth five times per second, it's easy to lose control over some aspects and have form degrade. 
he explains. So, wow. so his left arm was wandering. Now, David Rush wow. has set nearly 250 Guinness World Records. He does it to promote STEM education. Wow. Yeah. Now, okay, were they, were they able to wear gloves? I don't know. I don't think so. I think, it's, I think it's bumping knuckles. Ding, 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 ding. I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, I'm sitting here while you're doing that. I'm going, a thousand one. You know, can mm-hmm. I do five? In a, I don't think so. I don't That's think just, so either. It's like, you know what? You'd have to practice on one of those, uh, the like the Rocky, you know, mm-hmm. boxing thing that yeah. hangs down and you hit it. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. That's all I can think of. Yeah. I And I'm thinking, imagine being the guy from Guinness watching this. Oh, yeah. And they're going video. that fast and you've, <laughs> you've got to. Shoot it on super slow. That's mode. exactly right. It has to yeah. be on video and they have to slow it down to make sure. It, that's how they could count out those 24. Yeah. Now, that's kind of an interesting, you know, way of, I that's. I like a record that is something that, you know, if you were to get all the, the stuff together to do it, you know, you could try it. Yeah. It doesn't require anything really that's spectacular. Right. You don't but, have to ride a unicycle. You don't have to climb right. anything. You don't have to fall yeah. off of anything. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But but the thought of doing it and mm-hmm. having to practice, I'm just thinking it's like, you know, the dentist explaining why a tooth will hurt. You know, how you have that. It doesn't hurt the first you know, times mm, it starts hitting. Yeah. But after about an hour, you yeah. know, to touch that spot will make you scream. Wow. Yeah. I just got a feeling your hands would be that way. Yeah. Probably so. Yikes. Yeah. I have a feeling Breaking they, went, the video. they went through a lot of Advil. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show with a quick question. How many of you during the music were practicing with your you know your fist you know fist, fist bump yes. <laughs> you know there was a movie that um oh goodness uh billy madison happy gilmore adam sandler mm, yeah adam sandler was in with uh drew barrymore called blended and uh it's a, a cute little film but anyway he's always uh doing the fist bump you know oh yeah. But, yeah and it bump a fist and it's because he's the uh his wife he's a widower his wife passed away they have they had three girls and Drew Barrymore is divorced, and her husband's a real shyster, and she has two boys. So, obviously, you know, okay. this is the Brady Bunch before, you know, yeah. when they're on the honeymoon. Yeah. And uh, anyway, interesting movie, fun and all that, but they, he's always doing that bump of fist. You know, it's like uh-huh. he's a big sports fan. You know, ESPN is his favorite network. He gotcha. names one of his daughters Espen, you know? Huh. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Had enough kids, would he have named one of them the Ocho? <laughs> probably. Probably, actually, you know. <laughs> But at one point, Drew Barrymore refers to the little girl as C-SPAN, you know? And she's like, <laughs> so That's good. Yeah. yeah it was, All right. Like I said, there you go. Some funny stuff in that movie. You know, it ain't bad. But anyway, I was just thinking about that because as he was always bump a fist, bump a fist. I'm like, I've never been that guy. No. I've never been the high five, bump fist. I've just, you know, yeah. the only time I really did that fist bump thing was during COVID, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Just because, you know, I didn't want to, doing the elbow thing was stupid. I've actually doing had this thing was stupid. I, uh, working around a bunch of younger people, right, um, for several years, I just, I say that, like, well, you know, working yeah. around all these children. Um, Dude, you know, a lot Mark of th- actually yeah. went on a cruise where he was the young <laughs> was stud the on the cruise. Guy, yeah. But the, the thing is that they're all fist bumping, right? So there's all these guys and there's this, you know, there's this heavy yeah. guy testosterone you know, mm. atmosphere and yeah, bump and they're bumping fists and stuff like that. Mm. And, um, and so it just became sort of a thing. You Hey, how you doing? Bump, you know, and it's that sort oh. of a, around the office and, mm. um, somebody, uh, mm. one of the girls in the office, uh, um, 
something was successful. I reached out, you know, to bump a fist with mm-hmm. her, and she looked at me and said, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Good for we her. We need to call her up and see if she'll try to set the record with you for David Rush, you know? <laughs> radio.fm it is the mark and mac show where a video captures a scene as boulder crashes through mm. house in hawaii wow in this day and age where it seems like there are cameras everywhere i know they're not but yeah. it does feel like you've got a better than a, your chances are better than than not you're going to catch something interesting on some True. camera somewhere yeah this is not something i would have ever expected you know to be yeah. able to see usually it's the aftermath yeah but and actually see it happen and you know, I kept seeing me of Tommy Boy. I kept seeing this video uh, on social media. Oh, yeah, I kept seeing this video on social media of uh, these people in a house and then something crashing, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't make out. And I had to stop and look at it to see what it was. And it was this is what it was. Um, authorities in Honolulu are looking into a surreal incident in which a boulder smashed through the living room of a new suburban home, narrowly missing the family who had only recently moved in. Carolyn Sasaki narrowly escaped being seriously injured or killed when the five-foot boulder, five-foot boulder, came smashing through the wall of her living room in Palolo just as she was walking into the room to watch TV. The boulder smashed through a cinder block outer wall, hit the family's car before taking out a glass door, crossing the living room, going through another wall, and ending up in a bedroom on the second floor. The frightening incident, which occurred just before midnight Saturday, was all captured on a security camera in their living room. She says, I haven't watched the video, but they say if I took one more step, I probably wouldn't be here. And wow. she's right about that. She's like stepping out beyond the end of the kitchen counter or something. And this wow. thing just goes right past her. She's convinced the boulder came from excavation work at a development project on the side of the valley above her home. She says she's been pressing city leaders to stop that development. Hmm. She added that. Oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Now we got a motive. Holy yeah, moly. Uh-huh. Uh, she added that uh, while for now she's just happy to be alive, her narrow escape has stiffened her resolve to get that development halted. Wow. Yeah. You know, there's a lot in this story that needs unpacking. We'll yeah. take some time and uh-huh. get back with you uh-huh. on this next edition of Dateline <laughs> NBC. Mark and Mac mornings only on Life FM. radio.fm it's the mark and mac show and uh we've mentioned it a couple times bears repeating groundhog day today yeah and you know the any way you look at it it's like if he sees his shadow six more weeks of winter if he doesn't see his shadow <laughs> six more weeks of winter i mean right yeah way you look at exactly it, just, just just always okay, Kemper, rise and shine. <laughs> don't forget your booties All right. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, Mark, I am yeah. thankful that in Alabama, we do not experience a long winter. We have just enough usually, you know, where we'll, we'll look back and go, did we even have a, a any cold spell during winter? And we'll find a week or two, sure, you know, yeah. where we did. Yeah. But for the most part, it's moderate. I mean, not yeah. always. We do have, we have had those winters that were really wintry, you know, mm. um, just where it'll snow like four or five times. That's a bunch for us. Yeah. But then there's other times where 
okay, we did have it really cold around Christmas. You know, we remember that. Right. But for the most part, it's been moderate. Now, we are in February, and uh, when whenever I, whenever I think about weather in Alabama and I start thinking, because now as Little League sign-ups and we start practicing and all that with Little League, yeah. that the biggest snowstorm we had in Alabama was actually in March. You mm, know? True. So, <laughs> Yeah, or, or the was. biggest one of recent memory it was ninety three. Right. right, there have been there have been bigger storms, but they've been pretty far yeah. in the past. And they, I yeah. think about that whenever somebody says, "You know, the weather's changing. It's never done this before." Yeah, yes, right. actually, it has. It's I just, know. <laughs> oh, whenever we yeah. get those climate change people, and I'm always, you know, you really realize that when I was in seventh grade writing a report about the coming ice age yes. and remembering that. And then, you know, when you actually go back and look at history and you yeah. realize about every 20 years, these climatologists will say, we've got another ice age or another, you know, whatever. Yeah. They just constantly rigmarole the whole thing. It's just, mm-hmm. we're going to make it, it up. Is. Like how old is the universe? How old is the earth? Right. You know, they, it depends. What is the theory we're trying to prove? Okay, yeah. here we go. You yeah. know. Ask yourself a simple question. If these people believe that the temperature of the earth is rising drastically and it's going to cause the ice caps to melt and cities are going to go underwater, why do they all own oceanfront property? Thank you very much. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show. And we had a story. I don't know. Was it yesterday? It was yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Um, headline, tiny missing radioactive capsule. That was enough to make mm-hmm. me, what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this little bitty thing. It was a, this happened in Australia and, uh, I guess this is kind of a news update. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a missing radioactive capsule measuring less than half an inch and half an inch in length has been found in Western Australia. According to reports, the capsule, which went missing last month was found in Newton and brought to a secure facility in Perth. Emergency services said it had literally found the needle in the haystack after finding this small capsule on a stretch of highway when it went missing as it was being transported along an 870-mile route across the country. Officials said it, uh, the, it's unlikely the capsule contaminated the area. <laughs> and this was a cesium, this cesium capsule. It was, they said that if you handled it, it actually could cause radioactive burns on you. And, and right. Yeah. It, 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 this was really bad stuff, but the thing was, it was just this little bitty tiny thing. It's like, it's less than a quarter inch. Well, it's about a quarter inch in one dimension and a less than half an inch in the other. And it had to have been, I think it was something inside of some device, you know, some device that uses radioactivity for measurements and stuff like that. And it it came apart and fell out. Yeah. Right. It was the flux capacitor. That's what (laughs) this thing goes in. And they found it on the side of the highway fluxing. Well, because, well, where was the car? radio.fm the mark and mag show and you know mark yes when i saw you included this story my first thought was late yesterday afternoon i was recording some stuff at home in my studio Mm. and uh my wonderful english bulldog hank (laughs) decided he wanted to hang out with me for a little while and he started crop dusting okay dude is walking around behind me he's i'm like does he need at first i didn't realize it at first i just thought he's trying to find a comfortable place to lay down you know he's because he does that but no he was 
finding a place to to wear me out man and it was like <laughs> i had to stop i'm recording and he's being quiet but it was like all of a sudden this yellow you funk can't breathe taking over the no i'm like i gotta go to conklin's house borrow the cpap mask or something this is bad dude oh my word i mean it is like i he's a dog but it's like yeah. living with a really old fat guy man it's like oh, there's man. all the noise and all the it's like you know what if he had pants he would have the belt around his armpits. That's right. how he, he is Fred yeah. Mertz. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, so are you saying that, it, that his scent white might be the state uh, aroma of, I don't know, New yeah. Jersey or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Find the worst thing you can think of smell wise. And that's it. Well, because when I saw this, New Mexico considers mm. roasted chili as an official state aroma. Yes. And I didn't even know we had official state aromas. Right. That's part of the thing. This is, is they're actually talking about adopting a state aroma, which mm. nobody does. The okay. this the sweet, oh, Okay, so I'm not yeah. retar- I'm no, not no. being ridiculous. No, okay. you're not. Uh uh-uh. uh. The All sweet right. smell of green chili roasting on an open flame permeates New Mexico every fall, wafting from roadside stands and grocery store parking lots, and including mouthwatering visions of culinary wonders. Now, one state lawmaker says it's time for everyone to wake up and smell the chili which would have been a better alternative to what you were smelling yesterday. Yes, Senator Bill Sewell's would have been actually <laughs> Senator Bill Sewell's visit with fifth grade students in his southern district sparked a conversation about the savory hot peppers and the potential for New Mexico to become the first state in the nation to proudly have an official state aroma. Okay a proposal now being considered by lawmakers. Now, do you follow that? This was something he's with a bunch of fifth grade students talking about, you know, some state smell. And now it's a proposal in being considered by lawmakers. The Las Cruces Democrat said uh, of the roasting chili, it's very unique to our state. I've tried to think of any other state that has a smell or aroma that is that distinctive statewide. And I can't think of any. He should drive Mm. through parts of, new jersey um for new mexico chili is more than a key ingredient for every meal it's life and it's at the center of the official state question red or green it's and is one of the state's official vegetables new mexico produced more than 60 percent of the u.s chili pepper crop in 2021 and is home to hatch an agricultural village known as the chili capital of the world for the unique red and green peppers it's turned out for generations. The famous crop also is used in powders, sauces, and salsas that are shipped worldwide. Legislation recognizing the roasted chili as the official aroma passed its first committee on Tuesday. Wow. So they're taking it seriously. You know, I don't have a real problem with it, Mm -hmm. um, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah i don't have a real problem with it but i'm thinking don't you guys have something better to do anything really this is <laughs> you've got a fifth grade class getting you to have to you know what you've you've avoided all these other pieces of legislation to deal with this one mm. the state stank there you go <laughs> live radio dot fm the Mark and Mac show recovering from the state stank of uh, <laughs> New Mexico, which, you know, it prompts the question, is, what would your state aroma be? Right. What would the state of Alabama's aroma be? And this is where yeah. our wives, t- when we get home, are y'all in seventh grade? Is that what you guys are? That's what we're, we're both going to hear today. You know, yeah, I know it is. Yeah. Uh, I just remember Hannah one time going, dad, really? Are how old are you? You know? Yeah. I think she was in eighth grade at the time. Mm. All right. 
baby didn't have a ticket, Mark. <laughs> right. The baby yeah. didn't have a ticket. So, you know, whatever's coming next is mm. something that's going to make us laugh, cry, and fight. A couple abandoned their baby at an airport check-in desk in Tel Aviv, Israel, after arriving without a ticket for the kid. The pair, who have not been identified, <laughs> they're probably very happy about that, were checking in for a Ryanair flight from Ben-Gurion International Airport to Brussels, Belgium, Tuesday, with their little one with the infant after it was discovered the baby did not have a ticket the couple headed off to board the flight leaving their child behind on the airline check-in counter a spokeswoman for ryanair said these passengers traveling from tel aviv to brussels presented at check-in without a booking for their infant they then proceeded to security leaving the infant behind at check-in the check-in agent at Ben-Gurion Airport contacted airport security who retrieved these passengers, and this is now a matter for local police. A spokesperson, spokesman for Israel Police, says that the matter appeared to have been resolved by the time police arrived on the scene. He said, quote, the baby was with the parents, and there's no further investigation. According to Ryanair's website, people looking uh, or booking a flight online can pay an extra charge, 27 bucks U.S., to add a ticket for an infant who will share a seat with an adult. If the passenger wants the infant to have that separate seat, a full ticket must be bought. And in this case, the parent had not paid the $27, and when they were told about it, they just said, we're not paying that. Right. Yeah. Keep our kid. All right. <laughs> yeah. But it says, you know, the baby was with the parents, and there's no further investigation. Right. Yeah. All I'm thinking of, really? Nope. You've got people who have already proven that they will ditch their infant. Yeah. And you, I, I'm saying this is the beginning of the investigation, not the end. I think so. They gave yeah. the, how do you give this child back to the parents? I mean, there's got to be more to this story. Yeah. There has to be, surely. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were trying to be funny. Well, fine. Either you let him come with us or, you know, we're leaving him here. Yeah. Either and way. And they were like, no, yeah. you're not flying. You yeah. know, yeah. you just you, lost your ticket. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the, the people at the, at the, at Ryanair did the right thing. I mean, yeah. they have process and they didn't, they mm -hmm. didn't mess around. They, right. they picked up the phone and said, yeah, let's get the cops involved. Right. Hmm. Should have done yeah, that. And know, they did. It's kind of, I, all right. We're going to throw out the idea that no, we're not. You shouldn't fly with a child. You know, <laughs> you shouldn't. I just yeah. think flying with a baby there, unless you have a loved one who is in, is dying right, right now yeah, yeah. and you're trying to get to them to see them before they pass and you know i get it then but yeah. beyond that yeah. i cannot think of too many other reasons because not just uh, how the baby is going to irritate every other passenger on mm -hmm. the plane because they're going to yeah. be crying because it's going to freak them out yeah you know and i mean this goes up through toddler age yeah. i mean you i just don't think you should fly until the until the child knows you know when you can tell them what's going on and they understand right. and that's a different yeah. age for every child yeah. I, I agree with that. And I think it, I you think fall, that, you have flown with those babies. Yes, before. I have. And I, I think that principle applies to many things that are socially acceptable yeah. today. Restaurants, right. movies, things mm -hmm. like that. There was a time when Jane, when we had Joe, when we had Joe, you didn't take your kids anywhere until they understood and could work within the, basically the guidelines of a particular social situation. Right. Right. It, you didn't take them to the movies because they were going to chatter all the way through the movies and deserve mm -hmm. other people. You just didn't do that. You didn't take them into restaurants uh, if they were prone to crawling around on the floor, mm -hmm. or playing with their food or making a mess or <laughs> making a lot of noise. You just didn't do that. You, your children learned how to behave in certain situations, and that's when it was okay to take them out. Right. Today, 
anything goes. It just, mm. I mean, I've been in restaurants and you could smell somebody changing a diaper in the next booth. I mean, give, oh, me, a, no. give me a break. There's your state smell. <laughs> radio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark the other day we were doing a story about something and i ended up looking it up online mm. it was actually animal related you know some the zoos and we were talking about it and i started looking about when was the last time i've been to a zoo and you know anyway without you know because when your kids are growing up they do field trips and things like that and you go to these things right well the same thing is true of museums you know, I don't remember going to a museum without the kids on a field trip. I don't think I've ever been. And that just shows you not only a lack of culture, but there's something wrong, you know, <laughs> or I thought yeah, so yeah. until I saw a museum literally collecting dust, <laughs> <laughs> a museum representing 2000 year old history is quite literally collecting dust literally because oh, all the dust yeah. buildup, which is being wiped away from the precious pieces of Roman history is being stockpiled. They're saving the dust. It actually <laughs> sounds kind of unpleasant because dust particles can be made up of human skin, hair, oh. bacteria. But the folks at Fishburne Roman Palace in Chichester, West Sussex in the UK, have very good reason to. They want to assess whether they could improve their cleaning process to help their preservation of the mosaics there. Dr. Rob Simons, the curator, said the idea is we take the dust to create an archive over the years. Look at how it's changed. We can look at how we get um, uh, amounts of dust in different parts of the site. We can look at how its, its composition has changed, how different things might be living in it. We will also be monitoring any tiny flecks of the mosaic material itself to see whether we've got very slow erosion of the mosaics to give early warning of problems down the line so we can react before they become a really big problem. Um, <laughs> ben Cooper, he's the guy who cleans the mosaics, said, it's really interesting to know the work I'm doing is helping to preserve these mosaics for future generations. All I can picture is what happens after Pigpen from Peanuts walks through there, you know? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about the uh, couple who left their infant um, at the counter because they didn't want to pay the 27 bucks to let the infant right. fly with them on an airplane. Yeah. But, I, which, as a whole new ball of wax. Anyway, mm -hmm. here's another one. A man flies to Italy for pizza. Right. A man flies to Italy for pizza. Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, but this he flies yeah, to Italy. If you're in the UK, that's not much of a flight. You remember the oh. John, uh, um, oh God, uh, uh, Panette, the yeah. Panette's, uh, he does this whole thing about shooting the movie somewhere in the UK. And then he finds out he's been there a month and finds out they're 45 minutes from Italy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Get in the car. But <laughs> this guy in the UK, Callum Ryan, he took to TikTok. To share his adventure, as he he said, he set himself a challenge of getting a flight to Milan, Italy, and sitting down for dinner at a pizzeria without breaking his budget of twenty five bucks. That's the usual cost of a medium pizza from Domino's before uh, you add delivery cost to it. 
He said, I set myself a challenge to fly all the way to Italy and buy a pizza for cheaper than the price of Domino's, and this is how it went. The plan was to spend less than a medium-sized Domino's pizza, which usually costs $25. I literally got a flight last minute for $9.91. Wow. I was absolutely buzzing. The next day, I hopped on my flight and landed in Milan. I used TikTok to help me find the best pizza place around and headed straight there. On arrival... I got a free drink and this mini pesto pizza thing, and it was quite nice. Then I ordered a margarita, a margarita pizza. Mm-hmm. Callum then revealed that when adding together the price of his pizza and the table service, he paid just 12 bucks for his meal. Wow. So in total, he paid $21.96 for his flight and his pizza, meaning he'd successfully spent less than the almost 25 mm-hmm. that he would have spent if he'd ordered from Domino's. Well, Okay. That's uh, I, I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's uh, interesting and and fun. But uh, there, there's a big difference between you pick up the phone and 30 minutes later you're eating pizza. <laughs> then let me hop in the uh, plane. Yeah. You know, I mean, going through all that rigmarole. Right. I mean, your time is valuable, right? So mm-hmm. you got a 24 hour wait for that pizza. I, you'd be right. hungry. Yeah. And also, is that nine dollar and ninety one cent flight a round trip, or is there right. going to be is there going to be more on top of that coming back? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, any way you so, look at anyway, it, it's an yeah. interesting little thing to yeah. do, and something that when you're in your twenties sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely. When you're our age, it's something that sounds like a pain. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then if you had a lot of pizza in your life, you're thinking travel for pizza. What? Yeah. <laughs> any youth pastor is going. <laughs> I ain't traveling for pizza <laughs> or hot dogs. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mag show we we're talking about food just as the mic yeah. opens it's just like we're st- we're both starving <laughs> talking about pizza finding the best place to get pizza and it's just <sighs> oh, oh, you know my. we did this one sh- a couple of shows well months ago shows yeah. um we were talking about pizza in remember that yes and trying to find the clothes because we used they used to be everywhere it seems but right, yeah. uh, where we live there aren't any now um none nearby we got to drive a couple of uh, states away but anyway yeah it, it's just funny because i remember that pizza inn and i'm not we're not sh- you know we're not shilling for any particular place they all have value you know the sure whether yeah pizza hut pizza inn uh for pizza out it's pizza inn you remember that yeah um and the delivery places like domino's and uh when i was at north carolina state back in the day there was pta pizza uh, pizza transit authority and uh, yeah, they yeah. delivered i thought they were like Domino's, okay because yeah. i thought they were everywhere and uh they aren't they were they um, they were at the time just in raleigh and imagine okay you've got a campus the size of alabama you know the university of alabama and it's in the capital city raleigh north carolina yeah you're gonna have a lot of pizza delivery you know and the pta just was awesome golly hmm. gee whiz beef but I remember going to Pizza Inn. I had Andrew and Tyler with me, and we went. It was like seven thirty at night. Their buffet ran till eight. Okay. Yeah. So I load the boys up. I had done a remote or something, and they were both little. And we go to you know Pizza Inn and uh, the buffet, and get our stuff. And as we sit at the table, there was a man who came in right after us, and he was Mark. Um, he, he went five bills. This was a big man. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. Big. And he wasn't old. Uh, he was just very huge mongrous. His, his, he had the sweatpants yeah. that were stretched yeah. out so far. I thought they were going to tear. He's All Captain right. Captain sweatpants. 
Yeah. Now, yes, only times three. Mm-hmm. But imagine this, because first of all, my boys um, certainly raised around me and knowing ooh, ooh, my I, sense of humor. I just heard the ding. Is that is that our answer on the pizza? Yes, it was uh, mod, M-O-D. M-O-D, okay. All right. Anyway, um, so this guy, he's huge. Now, he is obviously there, okay, at this time of the day so that he won't catch any grief for eating pizza on a buffet, being a big guy. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I have, I, you do not make fun of people for what the, they can do nothing about, okay? Yeah. You, yeah. You have, I have no problem with making fun of people doing something ridiculous. No fun. No, that doesn't bother me in the least. <laughs> right. But. When you talk about weight, whether they're too skinny, overweight, whatever, you know, three noses, five, you know, ears, whatever, (laughs) you don't poke fun at that, you know, and you don't know why somebody's big. You don't know if they're eating their feelings or if they've got something else going on. You don't know. So leave it alone. And this poor guy, he just wanted to come in. You know, granted, if you don't get to be five bills plus without overeating. Okay. Yeah. And knowing this. As Tyler was pointing him out to me because he was that age, you know, where look, look, look. And I'm like, don't look, guys, don't look. Just stare at your food. Do anything. Don't look because I know they're going to point, you know. I know they're going to do it. And I'm like, evil dad, man. Don't point. And so I'm whispering, telling them why they can't point. And Tyler is so small, he doesn't. I can't hear you, but you see the really big guy right there? Look, look, dad. He's hitting me with the elbow. Oh, my gosh. And Andrew, bless his heart, he, he goes, dad. I think we better go back to the buffet real quick, you know, and, and so we had just gone, we got full plates, you know? Oh, no. Yeah. And I would look around. And I'm like, you're right. Let's go. And so we did. We- Life radio FM. It's the Mark and Mac show. And, as we wind things down for this Groundhog Day, I thought this is one of those stories that I might use later on today, Mark. <laughs> Footprints in the snow lead police to a burglary suspect. I And I think, I really do think this qualifies for this. <laughs> no! <laughs> Pennsylvania State Police said footprints in the snow led them to a burglary suspect in Burrell Township. The burglary was reported a little before 9.30 a.m. Tuesday at a coal tipple facility. I know. I don't know what that is. what? I have no idea. I should have looked it up, but I didn't. Um, Police said they were told someone was trying to steal copper wiring from the building, and and then ran off. Troopers tracked footprints in the snow to nearby railroad tracks and into a wooded area where they located and arrested 27-year-old Evan Eaglehouse of Loyal Hannah. Eagle House faces multiple charges, including burglary and criminal trespass. <laughs> and not thinking far enough in advance to realize somebody could just follow the footsteps wow. to find him. <laughs> Unbelievable. That just... You know, Mark, there are some people who really do belong in prison. And, you know... We have the wet bandits. We have the sticky bandits. We have the stupid bandits. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kill this. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on liferadio.fm.